My name is John Crawl. I get to be the teaching pastor here. If you're a guest with us, let me just again say we're so glad that you're here hanging out with us this morning. Uh, and what a great time to be a part of what's happening here as we uh, dive back into and continue our sermon series that truly, I think, speaks to the heart of who Shepherd's Gate is, as one of our hearts and passions is to value everyone. And that's exactly what we're talking about all throughout this series as we look and seek to figure out, number one, where is it in my life that I'm struggling with actually valuing everyone? And also, how can I individually, but also us as a church, truly step up our game and not just saying we value people, not just feeling value for people, but showing value for people. And so today we're going to take a look at uh, really a topic that's kind of prevalent. It's out there in the media, it's out there in the news today, but I really want to make the push and the effort to help you to see why is it that the church must get involved. You know, this past week I had someone uh, mention to me that they said, you know, I, this idea of having PG-13 services, you know, honestly, if, if you can't say it to everyone, I just don't think it should be in church. And I'll tell you, I tell you, some of these topics, if we don't talk about them, who will? If we don't talk about some of these things that are near and dear to our hearts, especially as we value people, if we don't talk about them from the stance that we do, from the love of Christ that we have, who else will speak from that vantage point? And so that's exactly what we're going to do, and I just want to remind you, it is a PG-13 service, so it's, uh, I might say some things that you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Good. Good. But you've been warned. But what I want to say is, honestly, one of the biggest challenges with a series like this, and I'm just going to be kind of frank about it, because I know I can struggle with this, uh, and maybe you can recognize this in yourself, but so often the sermons that really we walk away from and we feel really good about is something that speaks to like something personal in me, right? It really helps me to figure out how to fix something in me or to make something right, or maybe I just need to live in God's grace a little bit more, and it really speaks to me. And a series like this is tough. Because often uh, the topics that we're talking about may not be as close to our heart. Maybe there is. Maybe there's some of you out there that have experiences uh, in your past or even people who are close to you, and this will speak mightily to you. But maybe you're some of you out there going, man, uh, human trafficking? I, I don't really know anybody. I, I mean, I know we should care, but it doesn't really speak to me. I, even when Pastor Tim and I were planning this series out months ago, uh, you know, I brought that up to him. I said, look, this is going to be our biggest challenge is to help make this real to people, to help make this matter. And as I struggle with that, as I kind of contemplate, how do I help us, not just you, because it's me as well, how do I help us to really grab a hold of the realness of this and the, uh, you know, I'll just ask the question, or rather, what's it to me, All right? What's it to me to, to care about this and to want to get involved, to want to do something about human trafficking? And something that happened to me uh, this past week kind of helped bring that to light. Uh, this past week, uh, I had to deal with some things, and many of you, okay, maybe, I hope, many of you would think, that John Crawl guy, he's a nice guy. Okay. <laughs> I got no amens or affirmations, so maybe not. Um, but anyway, I think you'd be like, yeah, he's kind of a nice guy. He's kind of, you know, he's all right. Um, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the pity, amen. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, you, you, you might think that, but then, you know, something happens every now and then uh, where I become not so nice. See, this past week, uh, some of the workers for our sons uh, really weren't doing what I felt they needed to do uh, to really be protective of our kids and to step up and uh, to give our kids everything they deserve. And I had to write some emails and make some com have some conversations that maybe, uh, as my worker would call it, I sound very direct, which I think is a nice way of saying you're a jerk. 
right? I'm not trying to be, but I'm trying to say, honestly, the way I put it to them is, look, my son deserves the world. And if there's anything I can do to make sure he gets the world, I will do it. And what, what dawned on me was something else that somebody had shared with me once. It's amazing how we can be really nice to so many people, right? We can be nice, we can be easygoing, until it comes to them messing with our kids, right? And then Papa Bear or Mama Bear comes out, and the reality changes, doesn't it? Someone shared with me, they said, just imagine how God feels when someone messes with his kids. The value that we have for our sons and our daughters is, well, it doesn't even come close to the value that God has for his kids. And so as we think about this topic today, as we think about this idea of valuing everyone, even the oppressed and the outcast, it's important to come from it from a place of realizing the value that God has for every single person. And that means it should matter to us. So as we dive into this topic, we're going to actually look at Proverbs 31, Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, and our whole verse, the verses that we're really focusing in on today are just two verses, uh, eight and nine. But as we, before we get into that, I actually want to talk about verses one and two first. Uh, so here's what it says in verses one and two. It says, the sayings of King Lemuel. It's a great name, right? I think there's somebody who's pregnant in here. Anybody want Sarah's baby name? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. What I love about this set of nine verses, this is all we have about King Lemuel. This is it. This is all we get about him. We don't get any other story, don't get any other background. We just get these sayings that were passed on to him by his mother, and we can hear they're inspired utterances, right? Inspired from God inspired. But we also hear her love and her passion for her son. This is the reason she's passing these on. As son of my womb, right? The answer to my prayers is how valuable he is to her and why she's passing this message on to him. But what I want to challenge you with is the reality is King Lemuel probably lived these verses out, right? And that's why they made him to scripture. And the fact that they made him to scripture means that they've lasted for thousands upon thousands of years. But this is all we have of King Lemuel. Nine verses. And as we read these couple of verses that honestly are the best known verses from this section of scripture, I would ask you, if sometime in the future, long after you pass away, someone were to read something about your life, there'd be a few key verses scribbled down about your life. How would they be summed up? What would be said? Because this is what's said of King Lemuel's life. In 8 and 9 it says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. I mean, you can see him even, you know, repeating this, right? This is what my mom said. This is why I led the way I did. This is why I lived the way I did. And he shared it, right? He wrote it. He wrote it down and it was captured and it was caught and it was put into scripture and it's been remembered and talked about for some time. This... This is what matters to the heart of God. And what I want you to see is nothing in there, right? Nothing in verses 1 and 2 said, this is a command of God. This is something you must do. This is anything. It was, here's an inspired utterance. Here's something to live your life by. Here's something that's so valuable. I just want you to hear it, right? Because it, the reality is you're not going to win your salvation over. You're not going to save yourself through any of this. This isn't even about being obedient to God. It's saying, look, I value you so much, and I value everyone else so much. I just want you to value them by speaking up 
and defending. And so what I love about this is as we talk about valuing everyone, including the oppressed and outcast, I mean, there's so many avenues, so many different ways we can go with this. But really, this, these set of verses give us kind of a clear picture of who it is that we need to care for. Right? Those with no voice, those without basic necessities, those in need of defense, those whose rights are threatened. And as we think about those verses, as we think about this kind of set of criteria of who are the oppressed and outcasts in our world, man, there's, there's no, no other place I could go to so quickly than to human trafficking. Human trafficking is a very difficult concept and very difficult uh, conversation to have. And frankly, I even feel like the term human trafficking has been cleaned up so much. Like, because it's so much in the news and it's so much out there, it just doesn't necessarily derive the emotions that it should anymore. The reality, I mean, she's got a barcode on her head for a reason. The, the reality is we have made people into products. That's sick. We have turned people who have innate value because they are people into products to be purchased, to be used, right? And there's there's, there's sex trafficking. There's also labor trafficking. And I want to point out to you, we all have a part to play in that. When you go shopping, go, well, I don't don't want to actually pay extra for fair trade anything. That's a lot of money. The people who made it, I'm sure, you know, that dollar an hour or that 50 cents, whatever they made, I'm sure that means a lot to them. Whatever we do to justify it to ourselves, we have taken people and we have made them into products. And products don't have voices. Products don't get basic necessities, right? Only thing that is poured into a product is enough that they would carry out the duties that we need it to do, right? Those in need of defense, nobody defends a product. It's an object, it's a thing. Something where rights are threatened, objects don't have, products don't have rights. And we have allowed people, people with hearts and souls and the love of God, creation itself to be treated like a product. And here's a sad reality. The verses written in Proverbs were written thousands upon thousands of years ago. It means we've had this problem for a long time. And maybe they didn't call it human trafficking, but we definitely were not valuing life even back then. What I would challenge you with today is it seems to be getting worse and worse. It seems that for whatever reason, even though it's 2018, 2018, we have so many, so much science and research and information at our fingers, there's so much that's out there, and yet for some reason we're going backwards on the value of humanity. Going forward in so many ways, but backwards on the value of what a human is worth. The fact that we have to have a sermon series called Value Everyone is nuts. But it's necessary. Because see, in our world today, we continue to treat people as objects to be used for our own gratification to meet our needs. Pornography is one of the reasons why I think it keeps getting worse and worse. I'll tell you folks, it's, it's just, it's crazy to think the amount of people that continue to fall into the trap of pornography. There's a great organization out there now that's called The New Drug. And they're talking about pornography because it literally changes the way we think. It's gotten so sick that I read an article yesterday that said in India, right now, there's a premium to be paid for videos of real rapes. Yeah, that is how we treat people. That is our value of people, objects to be used for our enjoyment. And it continues to get worse and worse. 
So the question is, what can we do? What I would challenge you with first is, well, where does this happen? Because I think so often we think, well, this happens over there, or it happens someplace else. My friends at Michigan Abolitionist Project put together a great video that helps us to see that really, this happens right here and right now. So I can take a look at this. If you think slavery ended in 1863, think again. There are more slaves now than at any point in the world's history. Human trafficking is the second largest criminal activity and people are the fastest growing trade today. A $32 billion industry, that's more than Google, Starbucks, and Nike combined. Where is this happening? There is an estimated 100,000 children trapped as sex slaves in the United States alone. The Department of Justice reports that slavery has occurred in every state in our nation. The Metro Detroit area ranks second in the U.S in the recovery of juvenile victims of human trafficking. Michigan Abolitionist Project is addressing slavery in Michigan by awakening and engaging the community to use their gifts, talents, resources, and influence to prevent and end slavery. MAP drives cultural change through education, training, and awareness. Supports local frontline ministries, reaches out to victims and survivors of human trafficking, and promotes prevention efforts. Awareness, action and change, and resources are needed to end human trafficking. So what can you do to help? Pray, educate yourself and others, and respond to God as he leads you to use your gifts, talents, influence, and resources. So the question that we often have for ourselves after watching that and after realizing the impact of this multi-billion dollar industry, $32 billion, it's unreal. What we often do afterwards, it's not even so much a question, it's more a reaction. So we have the, the just reaction. Not just like I'm going to be just, it's the, but I'm just, a, I'm just one guy. Right? I just have one voice. I'm just... A salesman, I'm just a businessman, I'm just uh, a, a mom, a dad, a husband, a I'm just this. And the question is, can we really make a difference? I mean, you might point to, be like, John, those verses that you read before, they were to a king. He had power, he had authority, and that's why often we turn to government and go, government will handle it. They'll fix it. Here's what my friend Kathy at, at, at MAP said when we met together to talk about this. She said, the reality is that the root of this problem is sin. Which means the root of the solution needs to be the church. It needs to be the church. Because only we know the answer to the real problem. And that's made ever more evident in the next set of verses that I want to read. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. But you, this is to you, church, this is to you. This is New Testament, right? This is talking to you. You are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are? Okay, say it again. Priests who are? Kings. kings. You are kings. Remember what we read earlier? It was advice to who? Kings, right? If it's advice to kings and you're kings, guess what? 
this advice to you. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. See, that's that sin problem. He called you out of that. So your darkness was a destiny destined for hell. It was a destiny full of darkness and lack of hope. But instead, because of what Jesus did by dying on the cross for you and for me, he took care of that darkness problem. And he wants you to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. So can we really make a difference? Well, if you're kings and God says advice to you as kings is to speak up and to defend those who need to be spoken for and defended, guess what? It's the same thing for you. You are kings and kings should care. As a king, as someone with more power and authority than you realize, you have the ability to make a difference. Where you think there's no hope, you've been given more than that. That idea that I'm just this or I'm just that, God calls you kings. You are royalty because of what God has done in your life. And that means you don't have the ability to sit on the sidelines anymore. The other thing Kathy pointed out to me is one of their hopes and dreams and passions is to at least be able to make everybody aware so that we can never sit back and say, oh, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Guess what, church? Today, you know. If you're out there watching online today, you know. You know, and that means you can't sit back and not do anything. And what do we do? We broadcast his wonders throughout the world. Where do we do that? Well, if the problems are here and now, where should the solution be announced? Here and now, right? It's not for tomorrow. It's not for another day. It's not for another generation to handle. It is for us today. It has been brought to the light. And maybe you say, but John, this is such a big, enormous feat. How could we possibly ever do anything to handle it? Let me tell you, movements have changed the world before, and a movement of the church can change the world again. I want you to think, drunk driving didn't used to be a big deal. People get in their cars all the time. There was no idea of designated drivers or you know, having a friend or taking the keys for someone until some moms got mad about seeing their kids and their kids' friends die at the hands of drunk drivers. And that movement today has made drunk driving a bad thing. It's made it something that we would all sit here and agree, of course we shouldn't do that, and we won't do it. Movements have changed the world before, and a movement of the church can change the world in this way again. And so as kings, we should care, and we should care to do something here, right here and right now, but how do we get involved? How do we do something? And here's what I, on your outline, I gave you a few places that you can get involved. Michigan Abolitionist Project, they're out there uh, in the fellowship hall today. Uh, my friend Kathy Maitland is the executive director of that. And let me tell you, Kathy never thought she could be the executive director of an organization that fought human trafficking, did you, Kathy? No. Actually, when I got here on staff uh, almost eight years ago, Kathy was on staff here at church. And it was at a conference that we were all at together where a speaker spoke about the tragedy of human trafficking and what it was doing to our world and to the people that God calls his children. And she couldn't sit on the sidelines anymore. 
And now she's the executive director of the Michigan Abolitionist Project. Let me tell you, this is an incredible organization who truly has a heart to make sure that you're aware of what's going on and then to give you real and practical steps on how to be involved with dismantling this beast of a program, this beast of a program, tragedy called human trafficking. And so I want to encourage you today is step out and talk to them in the, the fellowship hall on your way out. Literally, I'm going to put guards at this door. So if you have to go out that door and go talk to them and get involved, because here's the thing, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make it seem really big and scary to you because I'm probably going to yell at you a little bit today. I end up yelling at 830. I might yell at you because I'm very passionate that we do something. But what they do a great job is, is breaking this down and making it, you know what, it's not as scary. It's not as big as you think it is. We can do this. So they actually have community groups that get together, uh, and one of them gets together right here at Shepherd's Gate on a monthly basis for you to get involved, to learn more about what you can do, to learn uh, more about how you can get involved. Also on your sheet, there's a date for a movie night. It says movie event, Break the Chain, Monday, February 19th. It's going to be right here in our senior high room. It's another time for you to learn more and kind of dive in and kind of get your feet wet on what can I do to be a part of this. Another thing you can do is you can invite friends and other people to come to that so that maybe you have some teammates in this. But there are some real and practical ways that you can get involved. And hearing about Kathy's story, it spurred on another friend of mine, Jim Pjornak, who you might recognize when he comes up here because he's usually playing the guitar. But Jim, hearing about what Kathy was doing, it just reignited his passion to do even more for those that are in the juvenile justice system. And Jim works with a ministry that, uh, I don't know how many days a week, he goes out, like about three or more, or more, like eight days out of the week, I don't know, whatever it is. Jim is out there, and he is loving these kids, because he realizes, if I can help here, if I can help them when they're here, maybe I'll prevent them from getting hurt even more later on. And so Jim's going to come up a little while later, and we're going to pray over him as well, and he's going to be out in that uh, fellowship hall as well, and I encourage you to talk to him. Find out what's going on. You know, Jim just retired from his 9 to 5, Monday through Friday job. And frankly, I think he's even busier now than he was before. But not with playing golf. Not that there's anything wrong with golf. Not with playing golf. But instead with changing lives. With being a priest who's a king. A king who cares enough to do something. And maybe you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you don't know how you're going to get involved. There are so many things you could do. What I would encourage you care enough to take a step. Even on here, there's the Macomb County uh, Crisis Hotline. They need volunteers. They just sent an email out, community-wide, that they're short on volunteers, and they need people who are willing to get trained and to do that. And let me tell you, I worked on a crisis hotline. If you want to be a part of helping your community, that's a great place to start. So there's so many ways to get involved, so many ways that you can do something. But here's the reality. Why should you do it? Why should you care? God's called you to it. And let me tell you, let me just reiterate to you, this is not about obedience or just pleasing God or anything like that, right? This is God saying to you, I have changed your reality. I have broken your chains. The chains that held you to sin and to death, I changed. I broke through them, right? I mean, talk about a movement that changed the world. Jesus, with a ragtag group of guys, literally changed the world. See, when God looked and saw our condition, saw our struggle, saw the chains holding us back, away from Him, away from the destiny that He had for us, He did what it took 
to break those chains. And he did it without any strings attached. He didn't say, do this so that you can do that. I'm going to do this so that you can do some work for me or so you can do it. It's not about obedience. It's about love and it's about value. And God values you so much and loves you so much he couldn't stand the idea that you would be bound by these chains, that you would be separated from him for even a moment longer. And so in response to the fact that Jesus has broken your chains, what I want to encourage you with today, what I want to challenge you with today, what I want the words in Proverbs to challenge you with is this. Now you are so free. You are so free because your chains have been broken that now you can be a part of breaking the chains of others. And church, let me tell you, the reason the church has to be involved is because we know what's really at stake. The government and other people out there, they're going to say, yeah, lives are at stake, pain's at stake, but we're going to realize eternity is at stake. And so when we realize what has been broken in our lives, what the chains that have been broken in our lives, I want to challenge you with this idea. And I want you to hear me out. Before you call me a heretic, hear me out. There was nothing you could do to save yourself. There was nothing you could do to change your eternity, right? In our sin, we're lost and helpless. So God had to do it all. But now that you're free, maybe just maybe you have the opportunity to play a part in changing their eternity. You couldn't play a role in yours, but in your freedom. You get to love. You get to value. You get to help break chains of others so that they get to experience the real love and the real hope that comes in Jesus Christ. And church, that is the message that you carry. That is the reason that you are royalty. That is the reason that God doesn't play it light with you. It's the reason that we can talk about topics like this today. That's the reason that we can deal with this. Not because we need to feel guilty. Not because we need to be beat down more. But instead because we have been lifted so high up. And we have the freedom. We have the ability. We have the power. And we have the authority in God to make a change. And so church, I encourage you today, while we can pray, maybe just maybe we can be a people that also fight. Childhood, what is that? My father was a chronic alcoholic who used to beat my mother for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. One day my cousin moved in with us. He'd take us to the store, buy us candy, and he did that to gain my trust, only to start molesting me. I was only eight. They say God protects the little children. Well, if so, why he didn't protect me? God didn't love me and God wasn't real. So I'm raging and I'm angry. I start running away from home. It's like running towards the light, but you can never reach that light. A man pulled up to me, asking me what's wrong. He presented very well. He steady taking me to the bars, buying me things. 
He started telling me he loved me, and see, I never heard the word love. Then one day, we went to his friend's house. When I came to, his friend was on top of me having sex with me any way he wanted to. The one who said no one will ever hurt me, who said he loved me, he said to me, get my money. I was only 15, but my life as I knew it then was over. I was taken to a house where there were other women, and it's called a stable. And I was told, if you run, if you go tell the police, I'm killing your mama, your son, your brother, and your sister. I was trained like a child soldier, and I turned my first trick at 15. My life went on like that for over 20 years. Who's gonna come looking for me? Women like me from the streets. If Johns don't kill us, pimps don't kill us, or we don't die of overdose, we kill ourselves. I tried to commit suicide. As I was dying, I said, if there's a God in heaven, if you real, help me, man, help me. Something hugged me so tight. The hug I never received, I got. And that's when I put myself in rehab. I had to learn how to forgive those who hurt me. My cousin, my dad, I had to forgive my pimp. I had to forgive everyone in order to set myself free. And I did. I knew the fight was on. I want people to know when they go to sleep at night, evil rears its ugly head. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. It has no gender and it has no time. Some angels were called to pray. Some of us were called to fight. I'm a street fighter. I go back into the dark and bring others out. This is an evil that must be fought, and I can't fight it alone. These women need you. These children and men need you. And we'll win. We'll win. I've seen that video a whole lot, and every time it gets me. It gets me because it's so overwhelming. So overwhelming to think that it's so big, and yet that one woman who just needed to know she was loved, who needed that hug that she finally got from God, now makes a difference. And if you didn't see that very last slide, it said her alone, she has saved over 600 women from the streets. And so when you get caught up in the, but I'm just 600. Imagine what the church could do. Imagine if the church truly got together 
and stop just talking or stop ignoring or stop turning a blind eye and instead realize that we can no longer say that we don't know? What if the church got together and realized that we all play a part in this tragedy? What if the church got together and realized that the power of prayer is great, but sometimes, sometimes it is time to fight? Because our children, my children, your children, every single one of God's children is worth fighting for. And so as we think about what can we possibly do, as you go out those doors and you talk to Matt and you talk to Jim and you get involved, I want you to realize the value of every single person is too great to not do something today. And I want to come full circle. What I said at the beginning is, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to you? Maybe, just maybe, if we rise up and we fight and we win like God promises us in the long run, God wins. Then maybe one day, my children and your children, my grandchildren and your grandchildren will look back to this time in history as just that. Something that happened in history. Something that was defeated. Something the church rose up against and fought and said, we're not going to stand by while God's children are misused and mistreated and unvalued anymore. And so what it means to me and to you is that maybe one day if we break these chains today, they don't have to worry about these chains tomorrow. We never have to realize, we never have to worry or wonder what's going to happen in the future. Instead, if we stand up and we fight, fight by getting involved, by being a part of what these amazing folks are doing, what they fight for day in and day out. And maybe one day my kids will never have to worry about being victims of human trafficking. Maybe one day my my ancestors, those that follow me, will never have to worry. And instead will have to look up in the history books what it even means. Imagine. Imagine a world like that. And church, it's a sin problem. That means the church has to be the solution. And so right now we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our friends here. Come on up. But in our prayers, we're going to be a church that prays. We're going to be some angels that pray today. But even in our prayers, I'm going to pray that God puts it on your heart, the realities of who you are. And that maybe, just maybe, you will now be an angel who fights. So I ask you to participate just by raising your hand towards them if you're comfortable. And we're going to pray for them and pray for what God is continuing to do. Father God, we come to you, God, so grateful. God, that you show value to every single person. There is not a them or a they in your vocabulary. It is an us. God, when you created the world, when you created man and woman, you looked and you said, it is good. And I know, God, we have messed it up in so many ways. God, we have turned away from you. But God, we see it now. We see what is happening in our world. And we ask, God, we ask for you to move mightily through Michigan Abolitionist Project, through Jim Pjornak, through all the ministries that are out there that seek to bring hope and healing and restoration to the people that are yours. Your children matter to us, God. And God, I ask now in our hearts, God, make it evident to us how we can step up and fight. 
how we can step up and be a part of the solution, God, where we see our chains broken. May we be a part of breaking the chains of those who need it most. God, move in this church, move in our hearts, move in our lives every single day that we would stand up and that we would fight. God, and bless those fighting efforts so that one day human trafficking is nothing but history because, God, you win. You win. You win. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Let's stand up. Now receive the blessing of our Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace and his fight. Ready to go and to make a difference in this world like no one else can. Because you are the church. You are royalty. You have the ability to do just that. And as we sing this closing song, let's sing it out as our anthem. Excited for all that God is going to do in and through us. Let's sing together.